0: The Old Testament lesson appointed for this Thanksgiving Eve service is from the book of Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, The Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive trees and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat, and you will be full. And you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And the epistle reading is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, the fourth chapter. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. You sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more, and I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And out of respect for Christ, I invite you to rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter, beginning at verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and they lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, And Jesus said to him, rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Oh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text that I have selected for this evening's message on this Thanksgiving Eve is actually from Psalm chapter 37, selected verses. King David, the psalmist here, writes, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him this is our text if you are like me you might find yourself fretting quite a bit I mean we fret about the evil in the world we fret over succumbing to the temptations of our sinful flesh and to the devil we fret over our standing before the Lord, wondering whether or not he can truly love a sinner like us. We fret over our health over, or over the well-being of people that we love. We fret about the decline of the numbers of people who are worshiping or believing in Christ. We fret and we fret and we fret. And as we fret, we find, or we will find, that it tempts to dampen or even negate Spirit of Thanksgiving. But the Psalmist he begins his, his Psalm by saying, fret not yourself because of evildoers. And why do we need not fret? Well, the psalmist tells us because the evildoers of this world, the, the evil world in which we live, in our sinful flesh, our arch enemy the devil, and even our ultimate nemesis itself, doubt that death itself will soon fade. It will fade like grass and wither like a green herb. Yes, there will be a day when the old order of things will pass away and the new will come. But in the meantime, before we're received into the church triumphant, we will still find ourselves prone to fretting. And so in Psalm 37, King David presents some solutions to how we can deal with the fretting and the worrying and the troubling thoughts that occupy our minds and our hearts. In verse 3, the psalmist says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. You know, Walt Disney gives us that delightful animated film called Aladdin. And maybe most of you have seen that movie, Aladdin, Aladdin is an orphan who is homeless, surviving by using his wits. A princess, Princess Jasmine, tired of royal isolation in the palace, escapes to see the world, and as it happens, their paths cross when Aladdin is being pursued by the royal guard. Now Aladdin and Jasmine, well, they're together, and they try to elude the guards, but soon they find themselves trapped, and the guards are approaching. And their only hope for escape is to jump many feet to the ground. And so Aladdin reaches out his hand to the frightened princess, and he asks, do you trust me? And Princess Jasmine, she thinks for a moment, and then she takes him by the hand, and they jump. You know, we often face dead ends in our life. And God reaches out his hand to us and he he, he asks, do you trust me? And how is it that we respond? Do we find ourselves hesitating to take his hand and instead resigning ourselves to whatever will be, will be? Do we place our trust in our own ingenuity? Do we place our trust in human folly? Or do we take the Lord's hand and jump? The psalmist says, trust in the Lord. And then he adds these interesting words, and befriend his faithfulness. Yes, trust in the trustworthiness of the Lord. Trust and befriend, the psalmist says, the one who who causes babies to be conceived and born every day. Trust and befriend the one who causes the sun to rise in the morning and to set in the evening. Trust and befriend the one who orchestrates a galaxy of planets and stars and and moons. Trust and befriend the one who created you. Trust and befriend the one who for the joy set before him journeyed to the cross to die for the sinfulness of humankind. Trust and befriend the one who has defeated death and promises to resurrect our body at the end of time. Yes, trust and befriend the one who dwells with you. Trust the Lord and befriend His faithfulness. The psalmist also exhorts us to delight ourselves or to delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. That's verse 4. Delight yourself. Delight yourself in the excellencies of the Lord our God. I mean, delight yourselves in God's power. Delight yourself in God's artistic creativity. Delight yourself in the diversity of his creation. Delight yourself in the bounty of the harvest. Delight yourself in the beautiful music that he creates. Delight yourself in His boundless grace to you. Yes, delight yourself in the Lord's presence. You know, we're so easily distracted from God's presence in our life, especially when we compare ourselves to other people and what they have and what we don't have. We can sometimes forget that God is present in our life because we focus on our our problems and on our worries, and on our fears, and on the unfairness of life. We forget God, don't we, when we begin to think, oh, poor old me. I wish my life was more like that person over there. If only I had better health. If only I had more money. If only my children weren't having so many problems. If only, if only, if only. If only. Then I would truly be happy and then I'd be truly content. But Instead of bemoaning and fretting over our situation, our Lord wants us to incline our our hearts toward Him, to to delight ourselves in who He is and all that He has done for us and all that He continues to do for us. And there, as we lean into God, and especially as we lean into Christ, our Savior, there we discover unspeakable joy. The, The The writer James promises, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Isn't that a marvelous promise? I mean, where in the world can we go that God is not present? There is no place, is there? And what circumstance in life are we maybe facing where God chooses not to be? There is none, is there? God promises to be with us always. He promises to journey with us, as you so well know, through the valleys of the shadow of death. He promises to be with us on the mountaintops of our life. He promises to be with us wherever it is, wherever we go, and whatever we're experiencing. And so ponder that promise. Delight yourself in that promise. Delight yourself in a mystery of God's love that is so deep that he would send his only begotten son into this world to suffer and die for you and for me. And as you focus in on that message, on Christ our Savior, see if God won't spark delight in your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, the psalmist says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, if we were perfect, our desires would line up with God's desires for us. But unfortunately, since the fall of Adam and Eve into sin, the desires of our heart often deviate from God's desires for us. And when we begin to follow our desires instead of God's desires for us, that's when we get ourselves into trouble. But as we delight ourselves in the Lord, as we concentrate on who he is and all that he has done for us and is doing for us, God creates desires in our heart that line up with his desires for us. And so what is that that the Lord desires for you? Well, think about some of the petitions in the Lord's Prayer. For there we hear from our own Lord what he asks us to pray for because these are the desires God has for us. He desires that we would receive our daily bread and we desire that too, don't we? He desires that we would receive his forgiveness in Christ and we desire that too, don't we? He desires that we would overcome temptation and that we would be victorious over the evil one and isn't that our desire too? Yes, the desire of our heart is to know God, to know his grace, to know his peace, To know of our salvation in Christ. The desire of our heart is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And honestly, that's God's desire for you too. The psalmist says in our text, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. When you're faced with things that are causing you to be troubled, to fret, the Lord, the psalmist here, reminds us, commit your way to the Lord. Or in the words of Jesus himself, who taught us to pray, thy will be done, thy will be done. You see, that's committing your way to the Lord. Or in the words of St. Peter, who says, cast all your anxieties, all your frets on him, Because he cares for you. That's committing your ways to the Lord. And as we commit our ways to the Lord, the Lord, well, he soothes our soul. He soothes soothes our soul through the promises he makes to us in his word. And he often soothes our soul by bringing people into our lives to, to comfort us and to encourage us and to pray with us. Committing to your ways to the Lord also means contrition. It means confessing to God that his ways are not always my ways, or our ways. It means trusting in God for forgiveness and and knowing that he does forgive us, and that he grants us Christ's righteousness, that he no longer sees our sin, and that we live in his grace day by day. And so, granting us Christ's righteousness, he makes us to shine like the sun that rises in the morning. The psalmist also says, Be still. Actually, literally, it means be silent. Close your mouth, quit talking, and wait patiently for the Lord. In other words, the psalmist is saying, Slow down the speed of your life, dial down the volume of all the voices, of all the noise in this world that try to distract you from God. Just be silent and wait patiently on the Lord, listening to his word. Simply wait. Resign yourself to the timetable of the Lord, as hard as it may be. The Lutheran hymn writer Paul Gerhardt expresses this thought in poetic form when he writes, then hope my feeble spirit And be thou undismayed. God helps in every trial. And he makes thee unafraid. Await his time with patience. Then shall thine eyes behold the sun of joy and gladness. His brightest beams unfold. Waiting patiently for the Lord. Is hard. But we wait patiently for the Lord knowing that he will do what he has promised. As surely as the sun will rise in the east tomorrow, so the Lord will do that which he has promised to us and for us. I can't help but think of Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. You know, many years ago, about 374 years ago, a Lutheran pastor named Martin Rinkert author of the beloved hymn, Now Thank We All Our God, was a man who trusted and delighted himself in the Lord. He committed his life to the Lord, and he waited patiently on the Lord for the Lord to do that which, he, which God had promised him. And Pastor Rinkert waited despite the horrific situation in which he found himself. You may know this story. But at the age of 31, Pastor Rinkert was called to serve a Lutheran church in Eilenburg, Germany. And while serving as pastor of that congregation, a war was being fought called the Thirty Years' War. It was a bloody war. Many people lost their lives. The city in which he lived was attacked and ransacked three different times. If that wasn't bad enough, Eilenburg was also infected by something even more deadly than the war, if you can imagine, the plague. 8,000 of his fellow citizens, including his own wife, died because of the plague. And as a result of the war and as a result of the Thirty Years' War, the German population dwindled from 16 million people to 6 million people. And it is said that Rinkert buried 5,000 parishioners in one year, an average of 15 a day. That wasn't enough. After the plague, the town was devastated by a famine so severe that 30 to 40 people might be seen fighting in the streets for a dead cat or crow. And for Rinker, conditions became so bad that he gave away almost everything he owned, keeping only the barest rations for his own family. And in time, he was forced to mortgage his future income to buy bread and clothes for his children. Now, one might expect Rinkert to throw his hands up in defeated resignation. One might expect him to shake his fist at God and be angry with God and say, I have no need for you, God, if this is the kind of God that you are. But instead, in the heart of that darkness, and with the cries and the wail of death outside his doorstep, and even within his own very own home, Rinkert, Rinkert picked up a pen. And he wrote a hymn of Thanksgiving that we sing at almost every Thanksgiving service. Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom his world rejoices who from our mother's arms has blessed us has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. My friends, this life is full of trouble and heartache. We fret much, but even as we fret, we also trust, don't we? We trust in our Creator and Redeemer, and we delight ourselves in the forgiveness of Christ. We commit all of our frets to our faithful and compassionate God as we patiently wait for Him to do that which He has promised us. And we trust in him, knowing that through Jesus Christ, our Savior, he will keep us in his grace. And he will guide us when perplexed. And he will free us from all ills in this life and in the next. With all those thoughts in mind, may you have a blessed and joyful Thanksgiving. In the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.